Who am I? How shall I live? What should I do? How do we find within ourselves the answers and the courage we need to live an authentic life? Today, author and coach Robert Raven shares his thoughts about accessing the still space beyond the mind, the place we aim for when we're trying to sort out the questions of our lives. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week, we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A.com. Robert Rabin is the author of the audiobook, The Sacred Hub, Living in the Shimmering Light of Your True Self. This audiobook is an inspiring collection of essays on meditation, self-inquiry, awareness, freedom, and more. It's an uplifting guide through the process of questioning, reframing, and deepening awareness that will help you discover your own infinite nature, one of enduring happiness and peace. In today's conversation, Robert talks about finding our way to the wisdom, clarity, and authentic direction that lies inside us. He speaks about two kinds of change, the change we try to impose on life and the change life imposes on us. And he shares his thoughts on dissipating fear by getting into the root of it through the process of inquiry. He inspires us to access the still space beyond the mind, the source of our deepest inner wisdom and clarity. We all, to some degree or another, want to live a truthful, meaningful, fulfilling, and purposeful life. How do we do that? The Sacred Hub, to me, is a book all about that. So it's really for anyone and everyone who want to live a conscious, fulfilling, creative, expansive, and most of all, free life. We spend a lot of time trying to impose some kind of change in our lives and on life itself, right? We want to change this, we want to change that. We're always wanting to change and interfere with things, but we rarely realize that there's another kind of change that doesn't come from our own will. It's the kind of change that life imposes on us. And for that, we can create another word which might be impermanence. Impermanence is the nature of existence. There is nothing that does not come into existence, live and pass away, even if that lifespan is a billion years. Impermanence is the very nature of it. The seasons of nature, we move from one to another to another. All human beings are born and grow and mature and then we die. But the importance of this chapter is how to minimize the amount of change we try to impose on life, which always puts us to some degree in conflict with life, and do a better job organizing our lives in light of the fact of impermanence. 
you know, it's one thing to have an intellectual understanding of, well, one day I'm going to die. But we don't really live as if that knowing is an embodied fact. And so we're always surprised when someone up and dies and go, oh, my God. And, and we might even go through a kind of reorientation of our relationship to life because of that. So it's really important that we distinguish change and understand one is the way we impose our desires and goals and aims on life. Fair enough, as far as it goes. But more importantly is the realization and embodiment of the way life and all living things are impermanent. And what does that knowing suggest to us in terms of how we can live? Oh, the chapter, The Root of Fear. Now, fear is probably something that most people are not familiar with, right? Just me. The first inclination of fear is something that we rarely look at. It's a label, it's a word that comes up in our consciousness with some kind of situation, real or imagined. And so in this chapter, the root of fear goes through a questioning process whereby we wonder, well, what is fear? Have we seen fear at the precise moment it arises within us before it's even labeled? The truth is, and I think we can all share in this experience, there is an aspect of life that is pre-language. Most of our experience of life occurs in language, but with fear especially, it's important to be able to go outside of the language and begin to connect with the thing itself because it always is different. Once we label something, then we've got all of the associated other issues and beliefs and concepts with that, and we lose sight of the thing itself. So the root of fear is a kind of inquiry process that takes a couple of examples and deconstructs it so we get to the very thing itself and says, if we can connect to that before it is labeled, what is that? Well, it's no longer fear. And so really we dissipate fear by getting to the root of it through a process of inquiry staying on the other side of languaging. There is a way in which we can relate to things that is not language-based, which is really the aim of almost every meditative technique in the world and, and all kinds of other traditions, which is the thing itself outside the mind, outside of language. And this is a very practical way of working with that notion, because we've all experienced certain fears, but we haven't really gotten to the root of the fear. We stay in the fear itself, which is different. From an early age, we are socialized and conditioned to be someone or something and to not be someone or something. And in saying that, I don't ascribe any blame to that process. It's universal. And it's where we go from this incredible openness and curiosity of the young children moving into adulthood. 
where we begin to solidify a sense of who we are and what we're supposed to do. The question is, where does that sense of self and all that's associated with it in terms of what we're supposed to do come from? If it comes from the external sources of family and teachers and religious figures and so on, all of the different people that end up socializing us, ultimately we will not be fulfilled or satisfied. Because the question of who am I, how shall I live, what shall I do, has to come from within our own self. If not, we're never going to have the feeling of living an authentic, genuine life, which I think is a universal aspiration. So we've got to find our way beneath those layers of suggestion, of direction, of taboos. Here's what you can't do. Here's what you should do. I grew up in a Jewish family. I was supposed to become a doctor because my older brother became an attorney. So I had to find my way by going into my own self and discover the wisdom and the clarity and the direction that lies inside everybody. That's why finding out about who you are from within is important. The audiobook is fantastic and sensational. I listened to it and I loved it. And now let's listen to a part of it. Inviting Thebes into our home. We get angry at the people towards whom we should be grateful. We should be grateful to anyone who helps us see something about ourselves that we had not seen before. This is how we become aware of our false imaginings and free from pettiness. This is difficult because we are quite attached to our false imaginings. They are our most treasured possessions. We think that whoever wants to take them from us is a thief. If a thief breaks into our home, we will be angry, not grateful. We'll call the police and then try to stop or hurt the thief. We'll say damning things about them to others. If we bump into the thief even years later, we'll start screaming and shaking our fist. We should be happy when a thief enters our home. We should immediately show them where our valuables are hidden and help them load our treasures into their van. And then we should offer them something to eat. We should treat them well and be grateful for their mischief. Most of us want to live in homes with expensive home security systems and guard dogs. We'll organize neighborhood watch groups and lobby for regular police patrols. We want an environment of extreme safety so our treasured possessions can't be stolen by thieves. We can tell when a thief is about to steal one of our false imaginings because we will feel a burning sensation, a fire that jumps from cell to cell. This burning is the alarm of our home security system. In this precise moment of our burning, with our house on fire, we should be grateful, not angry. Do not call the police or the fire department. Offer the thief a meal. Once the burning subsides, you will experience the tremendous lightness and joy of freedom from pettiness and false imaginings. It's true that this kind of burning hurts, but we get used to it. In fact, when we see what this burning does, we'll go out of our way to invite thieves into our home.
when we see a thief, we'll smile and unlock the door. Of course, life itself is a thief, if we have the courage to court the burning that frees us from pettiness. To see all of life as a thief requires an attitude of openness and gratitude for the opportunity to burn. It depends on what we want. We can, if we want, get all the way to the end of our life with each of our treasured delusions intact. What do we want? Thanks for listening to this conversation with Robert Rabin, author of the audiobook, The Sacred Hub, Living in the Shimmering Light of Your True Self. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate it and review it. And please share it with friends who might also enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.